Well, good morning, church. Okay, I can tell we jumped forward an hour. Hey, first service was here before you. Just think about that. They jumped ahead an extra hour, and they were here an hour and a half before all of you. So, uh, Mike, how you feeling, brother? I was out changing. We had a baptismal first service. I was changing. I came. I heard. I missed. You gave a shout of praise when we said we could greet. If you're new here, by the way, uh, in the past two years, it's been two years since we've done that. And, and that's, that's our church. We've always done that. We sing that first song, and then we just go around, and hey, and we just greet people, and it feels good to shake a hand or say hi or wave to somebody or hug them. I don't know. Uh, I know you got worn out. You had to go out and sort of like towel down and, and refresh yourself to come back in for the service. Um, but that's, that's what we, that's, this is true north. That's what we used to do, and it's, it's good to put that back into what we're doing. Um, because, and it actually sort of not, you know, wasn't not intentional, but it sort of goes with what we're going with today, with what we're opening up God's Word to today. Because I want to tell you right now, you are loved. And maybe you felt that in those first five minutes when you were in here. I hope you did. But I want you to know this, that you are loved. And maybe you've heard people say that to you time and time again. Maybe it was a spouse, a boyfriend, girlfriend. Maybe it was your parent. Maybe it was a sibling. That's a stretch, right? Maybe it was a friend, a coach, a teacher. Definitely a grandparent. Hopefully a grandparent has told you, hey, I love you. But we love hearing those words, you are loved. We heard from God, right? If, if you're familiar with this big love letter here, God's word, we know that we're loved. You remember the song, Jesus Loves Me? Remember that song? Jesus loves me, this I know for the... Tells me so, yeah. Little ones to him belong. We are weak, but he is strong, yes. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. I mean, how simple of a song can we sing when we're little kids? We stopped singing when we got older because, you know, we already know, right? But isn't that such a sweet, simple song? I know there's more verses to it. I know there's a lot more verses, but that's the only one I could remember. I asked my wife, Jenny, and she, she like Googled, and like, oh, here's a verse. She's like, I don't remember that one. I don't remember that one. All I remember is that first one, which seems to be the main one, the most important one. And, and I know that, that God loves me, and, and I know that Jesus loves me. Why? Because the Bible tells me so, right? When you become a Christian... One of the first things you might be challenged to do is memorize scripture, to memorize verses. And probably one of those first verses you memorized was John 3.16. For God so loved the world. Yeah. He loves everyone. So we're told. We've memorized this. We know this. And, and it's like, yes, God loves everyone. And, and we are heading into a, a new sermon series called You Are Loved. And we started last week, and, and I want you to hear this. I want you to know this. You are loved. And it's, but it's not, about, it's not about us. I mean, it is, because we're the ones being loved. But it's mainly about God, the one who loves us, and how he loves us. Because, church, if you can understand the love of God and how he loves you, it will change how you live. It's a remarkable thing. I said this last week, when we define God and his love, it is so different than how we define love. Because we've heard people say they love us, 
And, and when I say, God loves you, right away you're thinking, okay, God loves me. Well, how does my dad love me? How does my mom love me? How does my spouse love me? How do my friends love me? And we, we equate that love to the love of God. And that's not fair because it doesn't even match up. If, if my love for you was a cup of water, God's love for you is an ocean. It would just pour all over you. And it's hard to understand that. We said last week that his love is beyond space and time. It's hard to define. We did try to define it as sacrificial, holy, limitless, tenacious, and trustworthy. We used those words last week. We have a God who's, who knows everything about us. That thing that you've kept hidden, that thing that is secret to everybody else, God knows about it. That thing is like, I can't tell mom, can't tell dad, can't tell my friend. Oh, I'm taking this one to the grave with me. Guess what? God already knows. You know what's amazing about all that? He still loves you. That is amazing love. And, and here's the thing. When I, when I think about this and I hear those words, that God loves me, that you are loved, I, I, I truly appreciate that. But here's the thing. I'm one of those people that I like to hear it, but I want to feel it. You know what I'm saying? It's nice when somebody says, hey, I love you. But don't you want to feel it too? Gary Small, he's the, he's the author of the book called The Five Love Languages. Maybe some of you have read it. If I've done marriage counseling with you, I said I've referenced it often. Um, but he wrote this book, The Five Love Languages. And, and what he's saying is all of us have a love, languages, a love language, maybe two or three. But you, when you are loved, your understanding of it is enhanced more when it's coupled with a certain thing. Now, he wrote this book, and then he ended up writing another book, like The Five Love Languages for Young Adults, The Five Love Languages for Children, uh, Five Love Languages for People Who Drink Coffee. I mean, there's like love languages for everybody. I just, okay, I'm exaggerating. But he did write a lot of books. But if you look at the five love languages, he says, yeah, when somebody says they love you, but when somebody maybe gives you words of affirmation or encouragement, you feel more Love. You feel more connected to that person. Or maybe it's an act of service or physical touch, or they spend quality time with you, or they give you a small gift. Some of you are like, for me, I like hearing words of affirmation, but if you put your arm around me, or you shake my hand, or you hug me, um, or just walk beside me with your, your hand on my shoulder, that physical touch it, it, inside, there's something inside me that goes, I feel loved. I feel more loved than you just saying I love you. So if my wife sits next to me and she, sit, and she sits next to me, I feel more loved when she's across the room and she says, I love you. She doesn't have to say anything. If she sat next to me, I feel more loved there than if she's across the room and says, I love you. Does that make sense to you? That's what he's talking about. And it's like, yeah, and I feel the same way with God. God says, I love you. You are loved. And it's like, hey, thanks, God. I'm glad to hear that. But you know what I long for? I long for the day when God, and I'm in his presence, and maybe it's Jesus that walks up to me, and he puts his arm around me and says, Hey, Rex, I'm proud of you, and I love you. That's what I long for. I, I know he loves me. He's told me that, but I can't wait for that, that physical touch. And then he says, and he puts those, those scarred hands, on, and he shows me, and he says, You knew I loved you, right? I said, Yeah. But thanks for reminding me. That, that's what I long for. And I imagine, church, that I'm not alone. I'm going to guess that a lot of you feel the same way. 
I don't know if anybody else in here wishes you could feel God's arm reach around you and, and hear that audible voice saying, hey, I love you. God knows what I'm thinking. God knows what I'm feeling. He knew that today I would be standing here and I would be saying this before I even knew I was going to say this. That's how awesome God is, right? But this is why he left the splendor of heaven. And he came here to earth by means of Jesus Christ. God has came in the flesh because he says, I want to put my physical touch on this. I know you all know I love you, but I want you to see it. I want you to feel it. I want you to have more of a sense than just written words or, or somebody told you. So today's message, listen church, it's basic Christianity 101. Nothing flashy about it. Nothing entertaining about it. Nothing like, ooh, awesome story, Rex. You're just going to get straight up scripture today. And, and, and I shared this with my wife and she said, that's what this church is about. And she reminded me of that. It's like, thank you. I needed to hear that. Because when we get into the word, God spoke to the people in the Old Testament with an audible voice through dreams, through the prophets. But when we get to the New Testament, God's like, I'm going to bring in a new way to present myself. I'm going to come in the flesh. And now we've got another means of how we can get to know God through Jesus Christ. So grab your Bibles and open them up to the book of John. I'm going to be in a lot of scripture today. Might fly through it a little too quick. You might just want to write it down and go back and visit it later. But the first place is John chapter 14. Because here's where it starts with understanding who Jesus is. He's like, well, Jesus loves me, but who is he, right? Jesus is talking with the disciples in John chapter 14, verse 1, and he says this, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and I'll get you so that you'll always be with me where I am. He's like, I'm, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Heaven is going to be incredible. And I can't wait to bring you all into my presence and with the Heavenly Father. And we're going to worship. And, and then he goes on. Look at verse 4, what he said. He goes, and you know where I'm going. And, and I love the honesty of the disciples. Thomas is like, uh, no, we don't. He's like, no, no, you know where I'm going. Tom's like, no, we don't. We do not know where you're going. We have no idea where you're going. How can we know the way? Thanks, Thomas, for being honest. Because a lot of times as, as people, even myself, it's like, God, what do you mean by that? So Jesus says, let me expand on that. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. He says this, if you'd really known me, you would know my father is. From now on, you do know him. You've seen him. And Philip said, oh, well, Lord, show us the father and we'll be satisfied. Jesus replied, have I been with you this whole time, Philip? And yet you still don't know who I am? Look at this next line. You might want to underline it. Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. So why are you asking me to show him? Don't you believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe because of the work you've seen me. I mean, Jesus claims it right here to his disciples. Scripture reveals it. Jesus Christ is God. We believe in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three gods in one. And he's saying this, he goes, you are loved. And when I say you are loved, I'm sharing what God is saying. 
You are loved. And you want to know what God's love looks like, church? You look at Jesus because he's the direct reflection and resemblance of who God is. It's God in the flesh. God says he loves you. What does that look like? Well, let's look at what Jesus did. Let's look how Jesus loved. In your Bibles, you go towards the back of the Bible. There's another John back there, but it's 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. In the book of 1st John, chapter 4, verse 9, it says, it says this. First of all, it starts off in verse 8 saying, God is love. So you want to know who God is? God is love, period. Then verse 9 goes on to say this. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Verse 10, this is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. That's love. Dear friends, since God loves us that much, we ought to love each other. Verse 12 goes on to say, no one's ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. I don't know if you understand that. Thanks to the Holy Spirit, when, when God is, you know, when we, we give our life to Christ and the Holy Spirit comes in, we are now, when we love others, guess what? People see God. God's full expression is brought through us as we love one another. Verse 13 says, And God's given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we've seen with our own eyes, and we now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Verse 13, And all who declare that Jesus is the Son of God has, I'm sorry, have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we've put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. Really, three simple words. God is love. And God's love is revealed through and in Jesus Christ. We can see the love of God because we can see what Jesus did. We can go back to Old Testament and look at all the actions and the miracles and things that God did in his, his messages of truth and his teachings, right? But when we see Jesus, we see Jesus, we see God in the flesh living out all of this. I don't know how to love my, my enemies. Just like, let me show you. As he's being hung on a cross and he says, Father, forgive them, my enemies, who do not know what they're doing. Oh, that's how you do it? Yeah. When uh, we look at how God's love is reflected in Jesus, here's one of the first things we see. We see that it is a rescuing love. The love of God rescues us. Matthew chapter 1, an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph. And he says to Joseph, Joseph, Mary's going to have a baby. And let me tell you about this baby. It's going to be a son. And you are to name him Jesus. Listen, for he will save all the people from their sins. From before Jesus is even born, we're being told, Joseph's being told, you're going to have a baby. He's going to save everyone. He's going to rescue everyone. Baby Jesus is born. They take him to the temple for a time of dedication. And they get in there's a guy by the name of Simeon. And Simeon, it says in Luke chapter 2, it says that Simeon had been going to the temple. The Spirit led him to the temple that day. He was a devout, righteous man. It says scripture, he was eagerly awaiting for the Messiah, to rescue all of Israel. So Simeon's there. Mary and Joseph show up with the baby Jesus. And right away, Simeon's like, 
This is him. And scripture says that on that same day, they met. He took the child. Can you imagine this? You're walking with your baby parents. Can you imagine? You got a newborn, your first one. He's the son of God. Don't mess this up, okay? And you walk into the to church, and right away, somebody you don't know, an old man, he's a pretty righteous man, though. He comes like, oh, the rescuer, the Messiah, the Savior. Do you, do you mind? And they're like, uh, go ahead, I guess, right? And so here's what's happening. He takes baby Jesus, and he says, I have seen. He says this to God, I've seen your salvation right here. And you've prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to all nations. He is the glory of your people, Israel. Now, meanwhile, there's another lady. Her name is Anna. She's, she's a prophet. She's 84 years old. She's a widow. She was married like for seven years. Her husband passed away. So for the rest of her widow life, all she does is fast, pray, and worship God. And she just so happens to show up at the temple that same day. And she just so happens, I love how God works, walks by Simeon and Mary and Joseph as they're holding up the baby Jesus. And she comes along and she begins to praise God. And she tells everyone around her, she says, this is who we have been expecting and waiting to. Here comes, rescue Jerusalem. Those are her words. Jesus is our rescuer. Think about this. You got a friend driving down the road and you know that's a dead end and it's going to be a bridge that's, that's gone and they're going to just plummet into a river. Would you stop them? If you, if you had a friend, another friend, a family, they're about ready to put their hand into a hole and you know there's something in that hole, whether it's a trap, an animal, a poison snake, something, and would you keep them from putting their hand in that hole? Yeah. I'm sure many of you have turned on the news and you've seen the war in Ukraine. And you've seen the refugees, you've seen the bombings, you've seen the people. And everything in you just wants to say, can I reach through the screen and just rescue them and help them? See, I believe mankind, that God's put in our hearts a passion to to want to rescue people, to help people. Why? Because Jesus is our rescuer. And if Christ lives in you, you've got that rescue mode probably going on right now. And so we look in Scripture and, and, and we say, He's our rescuer. I'll never forget the day. I'm swimming in a pond, and I didn't really know how to swim. And and I went out, and I went too deep. And I went under. And my brother was on shore. He's fully clothed. He's got his wallet in his back pocket. And he dove into the water, came out, and rescued me, pulled me to safety. Didn't matter that he he got everything. And I'm sometimes wondering. I've got an awesome family. But growing up, I mean, my siblings, yeah, we picked on each other a lot. And being the youngest, you know, everybody says, well, at least at home, um, I'm the one that got picked on the most, right? At least I'll claim that, maybe not. But there's days you wonder, do my siblings really like me? That day I found out that my brother loved me. That's the love of somebody. They'll dive in for you. And God's like looking down on earth and he says, I see a world drowning in sin and I am diving in to rescue you. That's what God did for us. He sent the rescuer, Jesus Christ, to plummet into this earth to save us. Didn't matter if his wallet got wet, right? Didn't matter if he was fully clothed. That love says, I'll do anything to keep you alive. And that's what Jesus did. Colossians chapter 1, this is going to be a verse 
We are going to come through through the rest of the morning, okay? It's, it's now become one of my favorite verses, Colossians. In between John and 1 John, right in the middle, there's a bunch of little books written by Paul, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14 says this. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Here's, here's what we're going we're to work through that verse Because he is our rescuer. What has he rescued us from? What has he rescued us to? Those are important questions. Because if you can figure this out, when I say you are loved, it's going to change your understanding of that word or that phrase, you are loved. I don't know if anybody in here has ever been in an escape room before. People actually pay money to get stuck in a room for an hour to figure out all the clues to try to get out. And if you figure out all the clues, which leads to another clue, which leads to another clue, to get you out of whatever room the room looks like, You're like, yes, I'm victorious. If you do not, like my group, um, after the hour's up, they let you out, and they got the big, um, I'm not sure which direction we go. Do you remember this? Dyslexic? I have no idea which which way the L goes for loser. But you're just like, I didn't get out in time. I, I, I blew it, right? I think sometimes we think this world is like a big escape room. And we're trying to figure out all the clues. How do I get to heaven? How do I get to heaven? If I come to church and I tithe, I put money in the offering, I'll go to heaven. If I have great attendance at church and go to Bible studies and, and I read in God's Word, I'll go to heaven. This morning we baptized two young men, and it's like, okay, so is that right there? Is that the portal to heaven? No. Your church attendance, your tithing, as important as those are, don't get you to heaven. Doing good things for others, that's very important. Doesn't get you to heaven. Getting baptized doesn't get you to heaven. That's like us. If, if that was the case, these are all my efforts. That's me in that escape room doing everything I can to get out of the room. I'm escaping. That doesn't work that way for eternity. We need a rescuer. My efforts, it's an escape. God's effort, it's a rescue mission. That's what it's all about. And you look at this verse and say, well, what are we saved from? Well, according to Colossians chapter 1, we're saved from, first of all, darkness. Now, a lot of us like darkness if we're trying to sleep. That makes sense, right? You like darkness if you're trying to watch a movie and it's like, oh, let's get it dark, right? But when it comes down to darkness, we look in Scripture, it often defines darkness as disobedience or evil or rebellion. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 and 19 says this, With the Lord's authority, I say this, Live no longer as the Gentiles do, those people who did not know God, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of what? Darkness. They wander from the life God gives because they've closed their minds. They've hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure, eagerly practice every kind of impurity. See, when you, when you remove the light, darkness prevails. You walk into a room, you turn off the light. It's dark. When you remove Jesus Christ, it gets evil is what we discover, and that's what we talk about and what Scripture talks about. John 8, 12, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. You extinguish the light, which you cannot do, by the way, but if you extinguish the light of Jesus Christ, it gets evil pretty quick. We say we're living in dark times. You ever heard that phrase before? It's like we're living in desperate, depressive, just, I don't know, dismal times, and it's like, it's dark. Exactly. 
Darkness describes a period of, of a lack of hope. And praise God that he saves us from darkness. So you look back at what we were talking about in that Colossians. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, our God, he rescues us from darkness. He saves us from that and from eternal separation. Because here's the thing. When we choose not to do the things that God commands us to do, it's called sin. When we rebel against his commands, it is sin. When God says we're to do this and we don't do those things, the Bible calls it sin. It's rebellion. That separates us from a holy God. Here's this holy God that says, my ways are perfect. Obviously, you're not. So we got this little separation going on here. And it's caused by our rebellion. Second Peter chapter 2, verses 2 to 4 says, you know, there's, there's going to be judgment. For, you are going to be separated from God. And there's a place called hell. It says in there, many will follow their evil teaching, shameful immorality. And because of these teachers, the way of the truth will be slandered. In their greed, they're going to make up clever lies to get a hold of your money. But God condemned them long ago. Their destruction will not be delayed. For God did not even spare the angels who sinned. A lot of us think, well, what happened to the angels that sinned, that rebelled against God? They're in trouble too. He threw them in hell, in gloomy pits of darkness, where they are going to be held until the day of judgment. Revelation chapter 20, verse 10 says this, Then the devil who deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of sulfur, of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. They'll be tormented day and night forever and ever. Church, listen, hell is real. And it is a place of judgment where we'll be separated from God. I can't think of a worse thing than that. And I would plead and I would urge with you this morning that if you have never prayed and asked Christ into your life, if you've never confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, do so today. Because hell is horrific. And it is real. And it's not one of those scare tactics. Never want to scare anybody into heaven. Never. But it, we need to understand, it is a real place. And God is love. He is, he is just. He is holy. Can't have sin in his sight. That's why there's a hell. But praise God, our rescuer rescues us from darkness and rescues us from this judgment and this separation from God. When we place our faith in God, he now looks at us different. He looks at you and, and, the, and me and our sin, and he says, I don't see that anymore. You've been made right with me. You're no longer separated from me. What an awesome piece of truth. So we also know this, going back to Scripture, Colossians 1, 3, 13, and, I'm sorry, verses 13 and 14. It says this, the love of God rescues us, saves us from darkness and eternal separation from God, and his love transports or transfers us into his kingdom. I say transport or transfer because some of you are familiar with open enrollment in school. High school students, not too long ago, were allowed the ability to open enrollment to another school system if possible. College, you really couldn't do that before if you were a college athlete. But in 2018, they, they started this, this college transfer portal. And basically, with the transfer portal, as a student athlete, I could now go to compliance and say, I want to transfer to this school, and, um, and I don't have to get the signature of my coach. In the past, my coach would have to sign off and say, you can transfer. And a lot of coaches are like, not going to do that. Sorry, you're stuck with me, right? 
Now, they don't need that anymore. And this is why you see so many college athletes transferring from one school to another school to another school because now it is fair game. Anybody can transfer to go wherever they want to go. I can go get on a new team. I don't like my team. I can go get on a new team. When God says, I love you, he says, I'm sending my son to rescue you from darkness, from separation from me, and I'm going to transfer you into a new kingdom. You're going to be on a new team. Oh, by the way, this is the victory team. This is the winning team. And when you are on a new team, as many of you know, if you've ever been on different teams before, it's a new lifestyle. There's new rules. Or there's new challenges. Or there's new this or that, right? This is what it means to live differently. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 3, it says this. As a Christian, okay... If you give your life, listen, you're on a new team. This is how we're supposed to live. Let there be no sexual immorality, no impurity, no greed among you. Such sins have no place on God's team among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. Now, why is that? Why is, why is God telling us? Because we're on a new team. Look at this last verse. For once, you were full of darkness. You were on that other team. But now you have the light from the Lord. You're on a new team. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. So church, what are, what are we learning in scripture? Hey, you're on a new team. Act like it. Have you ever run into somebody you haven't seen in a while? And they look, they look different. They act different. It's like, man, I haven't seen you in a while. But something different about you. What is it? You used to get so mad in this situation, but you kept your cool. What changed? You know, you ever run into somebody and just notice something different As a Christian, there should be something different about us. The work of the Spirit should be working through our lives 24-7. We are saved. Now there's a change taking place with us. There's transformation going on. We've been transferred into a new kingdom, and there are new things taking place in our life. The love of God rescues us, saves us from darkness, eternal separation, God, transfers us into a new kingdom, and gives us freedom. Let me hear you say freedom. freedom. One more time. Freedom. freedom. I was waiting for the William Wallace freedom. Thank you. That's where it's coming from, but I love it. If you, you don't know who William Wallace is from the movie Braveheart, uh, historical character, real, it's a love story. It really Okay, there's a lot of fighting that goes on, but it's all because his wife was killed. Anyway, freedom. I want you to think about this. Confession. I've never been to prison. Okay? As if I was, I'd be sharing that with you all. I don't know. But I've never been put behind bars. I've I've played games like capture the flag or tag, freeze tag, or, you know, you got to go off to a prison or maybe Monopoly, go to jail or whatever. You know, it's it's like, but I've never been behind actual... And, and bars. So here's, why am I sharing that with you? Because here's the thing. I don't think I know what freedom really feels like. Because I've never been imprisoned. I, I cannot even fathom what's going on in other countries where you're put in prison 
because you share the name of Jesus Christ. I have a cousin who was put in prison for a couple of days because he was talking about God. I have no idea what that's like. I, I stand up here often and say, aren't you thankful for the freedoms we have? Yeah, absolutely. We have no clue what freedom is because we've never maybe tasted imprisonment. And so I, I think about that. And it's, but here's, here's, my, here's my real confession. Unfortunately, I have been imprisoned by my sin in my life. I've made choices that have become maybe habitual in my life or to the point that I realize, man, I am chained to the sin. But I've been slave, I've been freed from that enslavement, praise God. And that's what he wants to do with us. He wants to free us from our sins. There's freedom in Christ. No doubt about it. And we should celebrate that freedom in Christ deliberately and often. Because when you're saved, you experience freedom. And sometimes I don't know if we fully understand that. Titus talks about this. He says, for the grace of of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures, right? Because we're, we're on a new team. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, with righteousness, with devotion to God. So here's the thing, church, we're stuck in this world. So let's live for Jesus while we're here in this world. It says, while we look forward to the hope of that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. See the transformation process that's going on that we talked about? And the verse concludes with this. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin and cleanse us to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. See, the love of God rescues us, frees us from darkness, frees us from eternal separation from God, transfers us into his kingdom so we can experience freedom, forgiveness, and a restored life. I love uh, Psalm 103 that says that his unfailing love towards me towards those who fear him, is as great as the height of the heavens above. And he has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. What an amazing God. See, when I say you are loved, as much as I want to feel it, I can't write Fully feel that right now. But here's what I know when I say you are loved. You are loved by one who said, I'm diving into this world to save you, to rescue you from darkness, from eternal separation. I'm going to give you freedom. I'm going to give you forgiveness. I want to restore your life. So knowing all that, how does it feel to be loved? Do me a favor. Don't cheapen it. There's a phrase I, I've used often uh, through life and in talking to people, and it's, it's this. I'll put it up on the screen. The greater the value, the greater the cost. If you want to buy a new car or a used car, guess what? You want, you want the one that's more valuable? It's going to cost you more. If, if you're an athlete and you're like, or, or a musician or an artist, and you're like, I, I want to have a higher profile or I want more of this, you're, it's going to cost you more. You're going to have to work more. If you just want to be on the team and you don't care, and you can be on the team, but it's like you want to be out on the court, it's going, to, it's going to cost you more, right? The greater the value, the greater the cost. Our eternal salvation cost God his son. To me, 
That is amazing. The greater the value, the greater the cost. He gave up his life for you and me. And with that, he says, I love you. Don't cheapen that gift by diminishing it with, I don't, I don't care. He loves you. How we respond matters. Worship team, would you come forward, please? When God says, I love you, he showed you his love by rescuing us, by being our savior. Darkness removed. Eternal separation removed. A new kingdom, freedom, forgiveness, restoration, all yours. And he paid the price. He paid the price. That's love. Maybe you don't feel it, but that's love. How do we respond to it? As I said, don't, don't, don't cheapen it, right? When you're loved, you're going to look different. There should be a little bit more hop in our step, right? Maybe a little bit more of a smile on our face. Maybe there's like, oh, I'm loved, right? Do me a favor right now. Right now, do me this favor. Look at the person next to you. And I, I know it might sound hollow, but I, make it real, okay? Look at the person next to you and say, I love you. Go ahead, tell them. Tell them. Now, I love you. You got anybody sitting next to you, I tell you, right? All right. Now, if you're by yourself, by the way, now turn around, find somebody else, even if you're sitting by yourself. Now look at them and say, you are loved. Tell them, you're loved. Go ahead, tell them right now, you're loved. Look around, look around. Everybody find somebody. You know, the amazing thing is, you were just told you're loved, and all of a sudden, this, uh, this room just lit up. I mean, there's a lot of smiles going on. There's a lot of joy going on here. There's a lot of happiness going on. Why? You were just reminded of something incredible, right? And here's how we cheapen the love of God. When we are told by God that he loves us and we do nothing with it. Respond. Live it out. If you've got to go around and tell more people they're loved, you, you go for it. Because you're going to bring a smaller face. You're going to bring the full expression of God working through you. And it's an amazing thing. Would you stand, please? Heavenly Father, what an amazing God you are. I thank you so much that you have told us in your word that we are loved. And we need to hear that. We know that it's true. But then we got to see it through your son, Jesus Christ. You say, I love you. And then you showed us that love. It costs you everything to express that love. God, help us not to underestimate or devalue that gift. It's an amazing gift. Our rescuer from darkness, from separation. Thank you for transferring us into a new kingdom where we can experience freedom, where we can experience forgiveness, and we experience new life, God. Help us on a daily basis to remember we are loved and help us, God, to share that with one another. God, we want to sing to you now. We love you, Lord. In thy name we pray. Amen.